Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that I am looking for 50 people with Hashimoto's. If you have been diagnosed in the last 10 years and you feel lost or confused about exactly what to do, then I want to invite you to join me for a free training call on Thursday, May 16th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, where I will show you how to support your thyroid for your thyroid type and your specific Hashimoto's triggers. You will also find out how to lower your thyroid antibodies and how to get to the bottom of all of your thyroid symptoms, the weight gain, the fatigue, the brain fog, the inflammation, the hair loss. Please go to inatoppler.com slash Zoom call to register, and I will send you all of the call details. I only have room for 50 people, so please be sure that you register at inatoppler.com slash Zoom call and get your spot right now. Meet Mindy. She's 40, but feels like she's 50. She's tired and often achy, has an extra 20 pounds that just doesn't want to come off. And in addition to feeling old, as she puts it, she feels like she looks way older than her age. She has a lot of grays and her skin has lost its luster and elasticity. When she compares herself to friends that are the same age or even older, she has significantly more wrinkles. Interestingly, she didn't spend a ton of time in the sun when she was younger, and her parents don't seem to have the same premature aging issues, so she was really at a loss. When I met Mindy, I saw that she was not eating well at all or taking appropriate nutrients, so we had our work cut out for us. But additionally, she also wanted to know as many things that she could do as possible and was really interested in learning as much as she could about anti-aging strategies. Well, I had a ton of tools and I was really excited to show her as much as I could so that this doesn't become another health mystery. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. We just heard about Mindy's accelerated aging concerns and her desire to learn as much as she can about the best healthy aging nutritional strategies. Join me on the show today to talk much more about this is Dr. Joseph Anton. He is the CEO and chairman of the board of El Nutra, which is a Nutratech company focusing on providing people with knowledge to live to 110 and beyond. Dr. Anton wanted to be at the forefront of changing our current healthcare system of the sick care to a more proactive approach, which meant taking care of our existing good health, which is exactly what he's doing right now. Dr. Anton, I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome. Same here. Thank you very much. And I look forward to sharing uh a wealth of information today that hopefully would change people's life. Oh, well, we look forward to that. And, you know, when we think about healthy aging, there are a lot of strategies from foods to supplements to mindfulness approaches to, of course, lots and lots and lots of topical formulations. But something that has been on the forefront for a while is fasting. Can you explain the connection between longevity and fasting? Yes, for sure. And healthy aging um, and fasting, you know, for the last 
15 to 20 years have been you know, studied intensively together. There's actually a full longevity institute at the University of Southern California dedicated for this, looking at how we age and how we cell, how every cell of our body gets the signal of aging and what could in nutrition intervene to help the cell age in a healthier way or send the signals or stress the cells so that the cells clean itself and improve uh, its own performance. So this, this science has emerged mainly from that longe- from the longevity issue, and I will simplify it to, to the audience. So basically, every time we eat, and specifically the proteins and the carbohydrates in the food, once you eat them, the body is you know, getting fueled, right? So you're getting nourished, and you get a signal of growth. Same thing when you put gas in your car, you're saying, God, hey, you know, you're, you're satisfied, you have enough, now you can, you can go. The same thing happens to the body whenever we eat carbs and protein, specifically fat, much, much less so. Fat is more of a game of calories, whether calorie uh, stock storage or expenditure. But the signal of true growth comes through ingesting proteins and carbohydrates. This is why if you want to grow muscle, you eat a lot of proteins and you exercise, you send the signal to the muscle. And specifically when you eat carbohydrates, there's insulin increases. And insulin's role is to push the glucose into the organ so that they grow. It's a growth factor. And the same thing when you eat proteins, there's something called insulin-like growth factor, um, or IGF, and they're both sending a signal of growth to the body. That growth is, a, is at the cellular level is a little bit of also a signal of aging. When you grow, when you move faster, you're getting faster towards your end. Think about it as if you're leaving your house now and you're going to be a friend. And if you're sitting in a car, you're rolling at 40 miles per hour, you're going to get there in one hour. But if you accelerate, if you kick a little bit the gas pedal, you're going to, at the 60, say, you're going to get there in, you know, say, whatever, 40 or uh, 40 minutes uh, or 35 minutes. So the acceleration, that's growth, is actually pushing us to, to age a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. This is why in probably in Mindy's case and other cases, when when, for example, we gain weight, we start expressing signals of, of aging, aging faster than others. That acceleration comes from food that we're ingesting continuously that's over-pushing our body to aging. So we've been trying, the, the nutrition industry for a while have been putting diets out there trying to tell us, okay, eat lower calories, and uh, maybe that's going to, or restrict your calories, and that's going to help a little bit with aging, which it does. But if you think about it, the best way to not arrive towards your end is to stop, is to have pit stops. So going back, you're leaving your house, you're going to your friend, and friend, you know, that's the end of the road. That's, that's just when the body dies, right? This is the <laughs> arrival. The best way to not get there fast is to do stoppage, and that's fasting. This is how fasting will be. <clears throat> when, you, when done intermittently, can help create these times where there's no food, there's no acceleration for the body to age, there's less food coming to the body and there's less push to store fat to age, um, which is which is a good sign. So this is these are the small pit stops on your road that you can take. And this is what we call intermittent fasting. We're going to talk more about it. What blew up a little bit fasting as one of the major driver of healthy aging is that we discovered if you do longer stops, now you're stressing the system, meaning um, if you fast for not just a few hours during the day, with intermittent fasting, but what if you fast for three, four, five days, what happens? And that's now not just a calorie gain, meaning I don't have a lot of proteins and carb and therefore I'm not aging faster. It's just 
is now a stress to the body. The body needs to survive. And what we discover is that periodic fasting or the prolonged fasting gives another healthy aging signal to the body, which is stressing the body and stressing the cells. And when you stress the cells, the cells, you know, practice something that we call autophagy or self-cleaning, self-improving. Um, which actually that finding won the Nobel Prize in Medicine in 2016. So going back to this example, you know, I leave my house, I can do intermittent fasting or intermittent stoppage. I'll arrive there later to my, my friend's house. But if I do long stoppage, I'm stressing my car, my engine, and then now there's some, or if I guess if I stop at the mechanic um, and I change my oil, I change my, you know, the fillers, et cetera, I'm really now operating or trying to improve the operation of the car. And this is what really blew up fasting in the last two years is the prolonged fasting showing major cellular um, restructuring that is uh, another level of healthy aging. Mm, that's so interesting. And, you know, when you say that it stresses the cells, I know that a lot of people think of stress as a bad thing. But in this case, it almost sounds like it's a good stress because then it makes the cells do what they sort of need to do and maybe don't have time to do at other situations. Is that correct? For sure. Um, and this happens in nature. All organisms, actually, a lot of the plants even that are rich in colors, you know, now we all talk about eat the rainbow. And the colors are actually expressions of stresses, of stresses on the plants as well. Um, stress, you know, if you, if you have a marathon and you want to win the marathon, what are you going to do? You're going to stress drain for it. So stress is definitely positive. You know, what, uh, what, um, it, it prepares the body and the cell for better performance and better, uh, be in better shape, basically. I'll give you, I'll give you a really good example in here for illustration purposes. If, if you're running a company and you need a million dollar, uh, to operate the company every month, and suddenly, you know, I give you no dollars. Suddenly, you have no revenue. So first, what are you going to do? You're going to live off your savings or, you know, get some credit from your bank. And this is what the body does in the first couple of days of fasting. You have fat reserves and you have the liver also has some reserves. So you go to the liver, there's some glycogen in the muscle and the fat, and you can start burning those living off your reserves. And this is what intermittent fasting is for. This is when you fast for a few hours. Again, if I don't give you money as a company for a month, you can live off your savings. The issue starts when you go longer. This is the stress now. So if I give, if I keep you two, three, four months without the, uh, uh, without funds and you're depleting your bank account and, you know, the bank is not crediting you any, any longer because you're at risk for them, you're going to start restructuring your company, right? You're going to say, well, I have to do a better job out of my existing team, my existing structure, my existing formula, you know, processes, et cetera. And that's restructuring within the company is what's going to really make now your company uh, a more effective one, a better performing one. And then afterwards, when you get money back is now you're a lean, mean, mm -hmm. uh, you know, optimized machine. This is when you flourish in the right direction. So these small stresses are actually here to empower the body is to help the body to age in a better way. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I call that being resourceful. Yeah. Right. You have to make the body essentially be resourceful and do that. That's great. So when we talk about different types of fasting, so you were talking about the prolonged fasting. And just for some people that may not be familiar, I know you mentioned it could be a few days, but what's a typical amount of prolonged fasting where it's, you know, long enough to create that restructuring, but not long enough to then have too much stress on the body. Yes. The delineation between intermittent fasting or the short one is two days or less. 
And typically intermittent fasting, the smaller one is, you know, a few hours during the day. And then prolonged fasting starts as of day two, so after day two. So when you when you touch day three and you go longer is when you're talking about a prolonged fast um, or periodic, what we call periodic fasting. Now, definitely, you know, we don't believe it's healthy to fast for <clears throat> many, many days in a row unless you do it in a clinic and unless you do it for a certain reason, right? Now, fasting, there's a lot of trials happening on fasting and, and health conditions and if there are two ways to do a prolonged fasting, either you do it in a clinic um, and you can go for many days under the supervision of uh, physicians and there are a lot of fasting clinics flourishing, or there's a technology that the University of Southern California developed, it's called the fasting mimicking diet, then it allows you to eat food while fasting. And this is the type of prolonged fasting for five days um, that you can do at home. So you don't need to be in a clinic because it's, it's not full starvation water, it's actually you're getting food and the food is specially designed to not be recognized by the cell. So you're fasting while living your normal life, and it's called the fasting mimicking diet. And typically, this helps you for five days. We don't really advise to go way longer than five, as you said. If you keep the company long enough without any funds at the end of the day, it restructures, but still needs some money to operate and can go bankrupt. And you don't want that to happen to the body. Again, for certain health conditions in clinics, or there are many trials happening for also a little bit longer than five days with a fasting mimicking diet, but for today, the, the advice is three to five days is, is really where um, you get the, the stress that's still a positive stress that the body would actually use to optimize and then go out from in a, in a, you know, in a stronger way than it started with. And so if, and we'll talk about the fasting mimicking diet a little bit more in a second, but if someone is doing a prolonged fast, let's say for three days, can they do that on just water or do they need to use the mimicking diet? It's uh, a little bit unbiased to the fasting mimicking diet because again, we as doctors and I'm, I'm involved in that project, but also we as doctors, we always say safety comes first. And when we, uh, when we graduate, we have the, you know, Hippocrates, you know, oath. And it is the prima minimum share. So first, don't put anyone at risk. And, and for us, if there's a way to do it, in a, meaning if there is a safer way, why not? So let's go back to this company example. You'd rather give the company $0 out of the $1 million, or you'd rather give it 200000 At least 200000 will help the base employees to be hired, will have the supply chain, the sales, the marketing. So uh, definitely the fasting mimicking diet makes the fasting experience more compliant and safer and allows you to go all the way to five days, which is probably an optimal setting. So I definitely would advise to do it. The body needs minerals, the body needs vitamins, the body needs minimal nutrition. So it's safer to do it with fasting tonight, but some people could do it without. Um, you know, I'm not personally against it as much as there's a better way and a safer way to do it. Sure. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And so let's talk about that a little bit more because I'm not sure how many people are really familiar with the fasting mimicking diet and, you know, what exactly it's like. So in a typical five-day period, um, can you walk us through what that may look like? What type of foods are people allowed to eat and how would they eat them to, you know, create this? Yeah, so it all started again at the Longevity Institute at the University of Southern California and and the researchers there, and I really recommend the audience look up look up uh, Professor Walter Longo, and he wrote the book The Longevity Diet, which he explains the fasting and the fasting mimicking diet. And uh, that book was the Amazon bestseller 2018, and he was nominated by 
Time Magazine among the tip, top 50 most influential people in the world because of his fasting delivery. So I really recommend going and, and reading to understand how to do fasting in a safe way. But um, so the research was going on prolonged fasting, but on water. And when when the researchers discovered in mice some of the health benefits, they tried to go into human trials. And it was so difficult for people in the trial to fast for three or four days or longer. And it took USC, and I think Mayo Clinic was involved. It took them really a long, long time to enroll very few people. And because of that resistance to just do water fast, I mean, you know, people, it's so difficult for us to go on water and carry and we feel hungry and the headaches and all of that. The uh, the researchers asked for the National Institute of Aging, which is part of the National Institute of Health, to provide them grants to develop what we call the fasting mimicking diet. And the NIH, thankfully, and this is a great, great support from NIH to science, did provide the funds. And this is how the researchers started studying how much can we feed the cell in, you know, proteins, carbs, fat, uh, minerals, vitamins, how much can we feed a cell? And still that cell would not be convinced that it's eating. Or if you, if you think about the sensors, like how can we feed a cell but without triggering the sensors? And in terms of that CEO who needs to lead the company and, and needs a million dollars per month, can I give him a hundred K? Can I give him a 200,000, 250,000? And still he would be stressed because he's lacking 750,000. So he's going to restructure. He's going to actually try to improve performance. And actually, you'll be thankful for the 200K because it's going to keep the base operation. So it's even better than giving nothing. And that was the premise of the discovery. They started looking at how the cells, what is the, what is the sensor and at what level, at which level the sensor for the proteins is triggered at the cellular level so that they develop a diet that has less proteins than detectable by the, by, by the sensor. The same thing for carbohydrates and, and other nutritional ingredients. And they developed this fasting mimicking diet, which is the food, the plant-based diet. There's no animal sources of protein, so no milk, no meat. It's uh, purely plant-based. It's high in good fats, ketone-like fat or mid-chain fatty acids. And they come from nuts, the actually expensive high premium nuts, uh, macadamia and pecans. And, and, you know, these are really healthy for, um, you know, they contain good, good fats. And then it's uh, low in protein and in carbs, and the quality and the sequences of the proteins and the carbs is, is very well studied. It took over 10 years to get here to basically, when combined all together, they are nourishing the body and the vital organs, but the cells are not convinced enough that there's enough food, and the cell will still feel the pressure, and the cell will still reju rejuvenate and, and practice what we call autophagy or self-cleaning, and the body goes through the stress, but now with the, with the food, stress and, um, and rejuvenates out of it. Wow. And that just sounds amazing because, you know, here's someone that can eat food, right? So they're probably not starving and I'm assuming they're probably not getting some of those headaches and some of the, you know, potential negative reactions of just water fasting for that long, but yet they're still getting the benefit. I think it's one of the biggest discoveries in nutrition. And uh, it was such a breakthrough that there are 24 fine patents on the fasting and making diet, and the United States Patent and Trademark Office already issued, I think, five or six of them. Um, this has been covered in, you know, by the top media around the world, and I think it's one of the amazing discoveries because we live today in a world full of marketing and full of food, and we're tempted to so telling people to just fast on water, not just 
is sometimes not safe and creates these side effects, but almost impossible. And, and but also just continuing what we're doing, which is eating all the time, is also not, not the way to go. I mean, you know, 73% of, of Americans today are overweight uh, or obese, and, uh, and the trend is just continuing going up and up. Um, I don't know if you or y'all just know, but in the last four years, we lost on U.S. longevity. So our, our expected survival now is shrank by 0.4 points instead of when we're spending over $2.3 trillion in healthcare. So um, it just we're living in a world where we made food so easy to access. Delivering food at home is now just a one click on your phone. And it just it just making us a little bit more lazy and living this spoiled life and, and eating all the time. And our body's not used to it. And this is why we keep gaining the weight and we keep accelerating our aging, going back to the same notion. And this is why we're seeing an early onset of health conditions and we're not reaching our human potential from a longevity standpoint. Instead of living to 100 or 110, which is the core mission of our company, we actually are stolen of years of life by the lifestyles we're living, um, higher level of trust, not great sleep. Uh, we decrease our social connection and, and love that we give and take to each other. We're eating a little bit unhealthy and more frequently than we need to. We're exercising less. And this is what's accelerating our aging process and that helping us reach our potential. Yeah, for sure. But it's, you know, so good for people to know that we have these options and, you know, there's a lot that they can do. And, you know, if someone wants to find out exactly how they can do this step-by-step, that is detailed in uh, Dr. Longo's book, or is there other resources that you would recommend for that? Uh, Yes, it's um, Dr. Longo gives the the high-level direction um, it's a little bit of a complicated diet. It's not a starvation diet. It's not eating very low. It's actually a rich, a rich diet. But in order to eat much and still mimic fasting, you have to bring a lot of ingredients and it's complicated to do. So Dr. Longo, out of that, he, he actually, USC and him, uh, span off a company from University of Southern California. And that company's goal, and this is Alnutra, and I lead the company and this is why we're talking today, we make this fasting mimicking diet available to people under the brand of Prolon, but actually Dr. Longo donates back all his shares in the company back to Create Cure Foundation and more research. So it's probably a, a unique model of, uh, of a company that's selling a product, but actually donating more than 50% with, you know, 58% was being donated back to research and um, into supporting poor and, and people improving their access to clinics and medicine around the world. Oh, that's amazing. And so if people use that, then it basically what they need gets delivered to them or do they need to mix the ingredients or how does that work? Yeah, uh, we made it very user-friendly. So, you know, again, it's called Prolon for promoting longevity and, and, um, and it comes delivered to your house. It's a big box that has five boxes in it because every box gives you the food for the day. And this is a form of bars and soups and crackers and in liquids and drinks. So it has everything you need and it's divided by breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it's, um, you know, it's a lower calorie diet between uh, 800 and 1,100 calories. So almost cutting half uh, what you would typically eat, but it has everything you need to eat for five days and it's all timed. Then you have a card in it that tells you what to eat at what time of the day out of each box. So very user-friendly. We try to you know, just to for the audience to know, there's over a hundred ingredient 
in this box. So it's a, it's a nourishing diet. It has a lot of the great minerals and vitamins and macronutrients that you need. And it's all tested. You know, we have over 20 clinical trials now happening on the formulation and, and um, a lot of testing in mice and in humans, which typically you don't see on diets. They, you know, typically there's less science on diet than on a medicine. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, we took different routes. We went from science first and then clinical trials proved the concept in humans. We published in many papers the results, many top scientific papers. And uh, your audience can Google fasting mimicking diet and you see the wealth of science behind it. Um, so we try to make it user friendly and standardized so that we're, uh, you know, ethically delivering the same level of food and formulation to everyone as the ones that were studied and, um, and make the process very safe and standardized. Yeah. Well, and it's so easy if it's just delivered to you, you know, versus you having to figure out what to buy, what to mix, how to put it together, you know, how to count the calories. Cause obviously, you know, there is a specific range, like you mentioned, that you have to be in. And even more importantly, a specific macronutrient combination and how it, you know, not only how you combine it, but it sounds like also how, what you follow with what, you know, there's a very specific protocol. Yes. And when people try to do it on their own, again, any, any uh, mistake on a formulation or on the adding an ingredient, if the cells of the body recognizes now the food and the sensor is triggered, then you're not fasting anymore. And that's the big trap. Is right. How much, what's the exact formulation to help your body be nourished, but not trigger the recognition of food? Otherwise, it will be just a low calorie diet. Right, exactly. It's the same, not the same, obviously, but a similar sort of situation. Like when people do keto, if you don't do your percentages right, then you're out of ketosis and then it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Obviously, it's a different diet, but same sort of idea. You have to be really precise. So that's great. Yeah. In the, in the ketogenic diet, you have ranges. You can a little bit do certain, you know, uh, you have a wider range because you're achieving mild ketosis. Uh, with a fasting mimicking diet, you're achieving deep ketosis and you need you need that to stress the cells and to induce autophagy, which is, again, the correction we talk about or the restructuring or the cleanup of the cells. And that's the main difference, if you want, between ketogenic and the fasting mimicking diet is the ketogenic diet, you do it every day. And, and because it's very, very low in carbs, it induces that level of ketosis, but it's, it, it contains proteins above the cellular detection level. So the cell recognizes that at least I have enough protein. So they're not in deep fasting, but they go into mild fasting because of the lack of carbohydrates. A fasting mimicking diet works on both the proteins and the carbs. So it gets you in a deeper ketosis and therefore helps you with a cellular, um, you know, rejuvenation on top of the metabolic and the, um, and the weight effect. Yeah, well, I am very excited to try it. <laughs> I think that sounds awesome. I'm pregnant now, so I can't do it at the moment. But <laughs> once this baby comes, then <laughs> it's just to have everything, you know, kind of made there for you. Um, it just sounds really easy and simple. And I'm assuming then the evenings and night, you know, there's almost an intermittent fasting component to it. Because I'm assuming you're not eating between dinner and then, you know, the next breakfast. There's no snacking in between. Yes. And that, that will help us also talk a little bit about intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is, is, is really a fascinating story because we're presenting today as if it's a new way of dieting, right? We should practice intermittent fasting, which, by the way, is the number one diet now in the U.S., uh, 2018 and 2019. It was 2019 was number two after clean eating, but that's a way of eating. It's not a, it's not a, precise diet, but 
So intermittent fasting picked up very fast and we presented as a new discovery. But again, it is, it is not, it is how we're supposed to eat. If you think about humanity, 99% of our existence on planet Earth, we didn't have, we didn't have refrigeration and Uber Eats and Postmates and the living late night and all of that. We were, you know, used to have an early dinner at 6, 7 p.m. with the family and, and the sun would be down and, and then we would sleep and we wake up the next day with a, eat a, eat a, you know, breakfast out of what we saved and then go and seek food again. So these periods of eating, um, say 12 hours a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner over 12 hours, and then allowing the body another 12 hours overnight, what I call circadian fasting. And, uh, it turns out to be very important for the, for the circadian clock of the body and for healthy aging. So we talk about the 2016 Nobel Prize on autophagy, which happens with a prolonged fast. The 2017 Nobel Prize was actually on the circadian clock of the body, meaning this, the body and the organs, they need a rhythm, right? They, they, even when we're born as babies, we have rhythms. And, and unfortunately now we lost the rhythm, meaning sometimes you eat at seven, sometimes at nine, sometimes if you have friends and family or you're dancing outside, you eat at 11 and at midnight. And, and this is really adding food and, and keeping your body always in, in the storage in what we call anabolic mode, meaning I'm receiving food over 18 hours instead of just 12 hours. I'm receiving food over 16 and 18 hours. So my body, the insulin that we talked about, which is a pro-growth and an insulin-like growth factor out of the proteins, another pro-growth, I'm always pushing my body to grow and age, grow and age, grow and age. You accumulate those over years, and this is how you started biologically looking older than your chronological age. So a lot of us now at age 40, at age 50, at age 60, we're actually biologically at age 45, at 55, and 65, because we keep eating and we keep accelerating the way we're aging from the inside, what we call the biological age, and this is what's getting us faster toward our, our end. So what we discovered, what science discovered lately, is that these periods of no food for 12 hours a day was really important for the body to not always be eating and, and, and accelerate the aging process, but to allow the body to digest the food, absorb the food, and start spending the calories that you ingested before you start getting new calories, right? So it's like putting in a bank, if you put in bank $500, then you don't put another 500, you'd go and spend it, you go back to zero. And this is what you want, is you don't want to be in positive because you're accelerating your fat storage and aging. If you put a 500, then before spending it, you spend 300, you put another 500, you already are at $700. If you keep doing the same, you're gonna reach 1,000, 2,000, $3,000, and that's the way we're stocking fat and we're accelerating our aging. So intermittent fasting, I think, is key for us to practice every day. The intermittent fasting we believe in for body balance and healthy aging is 12 hours. And uh, again, our founder, Professor Walter Longo, and the science from USC, studying centenarians, people living 100 and beyond, uh, it shows that they practice intermittent fasting. They don't do the 16 hours that a lot of people talk about today, and I'm going to address that. Yep, that was my next question. <laughs> yeah, they mainly do the 12, 13 hours. They do it in a natural way. It's part of their everyday life. They, you know, eat dinner at seven, they wake up the next day at you know six, 6.30 until they cook, they prep their food, they eat and get at seven or eight, uh, sometimes a bit earlier. Um, but this is how 
it's part of their life. It's part of daily life. Now, today, when you say on the street intermittent fasting, everyone thinks about the 16 hours, 16-8. And the 16-8 came out of doctors and clinics, right? So there are a lot of key opinion leaders that you hear out on blogs, and most of them are actually doctors, and they talk about doing you know, fasting for 16 hours, which is rightfully so for certain health conditions, meaning if you're obese, you're you know, pre-diabetic, you're about to become pre-diabetic, or some doctors actually you know, try to introduce intermittent fasting for people with diabetes, meaning you have a short term, you need, to, you need to lose faster the weight. You need to intervene for a certain short term period uh, uh, of, of you want you want to gain on the short term. You want to lose weight fast, or you want to reverse, you know, the the, the obesity factor that you have, or the, the the excess weight that you have. Then yes, some people could go to 16 hours. Which let's go back to the bank example. If you have a thousand dollar, if you add 500, now if you want to quickly go to zero, you can you, you, you can wait longer and pull out 700 or 800. It will get you faster to zero. So the longer the hours go. Um, the more probably you're losing the weight and and we recommend you do it if you need to. But why not always? That's the big question. Because remember, the longer you go without food, the longer you're stressing also your brain, your heart, you know, meaning the body loses the weight because the organs are asking for calories and the calories are not there. So this is why you get a headache if you're doing the 16 hours, you know, in the afternoon, if you didn't eat, you go to work, you, you know, you're spending a lot of time, you forget to eat, you start having a little bit of a headache, you start having, seeing a little bit fatigued because your organs are asking for food. So there's a little bit of a sacrifice, what I'm trying to say. If you do the 16 hours of fast, there's a little bit of a sacrifice that the body is going through, which is small stress. I would have accepted that stress with a prolonged fast because it's long enough that it helps the cell to rejuvenate. In this case, there's no rejuvenation because it's such a short period of an extra four hours. So you're just stressing without really getting the benefits of a rejuvenation, it will feel uh, it's not always necessary to go for 16 hours for most people. For some people, yes, to accelerate the weight loss and we can get back to shape, and then you can go back to 12 hours. Okay. So what came out of the clinic of 16 hours of fast to help the patient improve their health and well-being should not always be adopted by everyone out there doing 16 or 18 hours. There's a lot of apps also that promote now 18 and 20 hours of fast. There's nothing in a natural way that, that pushes the body to do every day 20 hours of fast. And this is why people drop out. They're like, it's, it's not feasible and it doesn't look healthy. What's really healthy is doing 12-12. This is how biologically, this is why there's day and night. And we, our body has a clock that follows the day and night. And as long as you put your body in rhythm with nature, and that's the way we evolved as humans, you optimize your, your balance and homeostasis and, and healthy aging. Now, do you need to do a longer fast of 16 hours for some? Yes. Do you need to do a fasting for three or four or five days, two to three times a year, again, with a fasting mimicking diet to clean up the spoilage, right? To clean up your body and to improve the cellular performance? Yes. You need to do it every day? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think the point that you're making that's most important here is that the 16 hours or even 18 hours of fast is not enough for the cells to restructure. So you're essentially stressing your body for no reason. You know, there are some people, like you said, that could maybe lose more weight that way, but not everyone. So it's not necessary. So I think that's really, really good information for people to hear. Um, Cause that, I don't think that's really 
out there. Um, you know, I think 168, like you said, that's just what people say. And I think you read it and you're up oh, 168. That's what we do. You yeah, know? because I see a lot of people starting seeing the benefits and defaulting because they feel a headache. They just doesn't, they cannot comply. They go back to what they're doing before, which is eating all the time. And that's the biggest issue we have in nutrition is we're imposing rather than integrating within your lifestyle. And whenever you impose on people things that they're not feasible or they're not feasible in the long term, then you lose them. And when you lose them, you lose them to the default diet. The default diet today is, you know, we're eating unhealthy food and we're eating all the time. So 12-12, it could be done by everyone. You know, when you eat at 10 p.m., just eat at 10 a.m., your breakfast or 11 a.m. When you eat at 7, go back and eat at 7 the next day. It's easily done. It puts your body as on rhythm and, and, and it just, it just, you feel like it's feasible and it's putting me back on track. And that's, because it's natural, it's part of nature, it's part of how we evolve. It's not an imposition or a, an unnecessary stress on the body. But hey, for some who really need to lose the weight fast and improve their metabolic markers, you know, many should go on the 16 hours and just to kind of induce that, meaning the advantages on the short term outweigh the disadvantages. Got it. Got it. Okay. And then in terms of timing, do you find that it's more beneficial that, you know, people do eat earlier, say finish dinner by six or seven, so then they can eat again seven the next day, you know, versus like a 10, 10, you know, cause it's a little bit different in terms of the rhythm now versus our ancestors. And So I'm a, I'm a man of science and, and we're a company of science and uh, I wouldn't give an answer that I cannot typically back up. So we don't have you know, I mean, there's a lot of discussions about eat dinner early, which which I don't think there's harm in eating dinner early, but I don't think there's a science comparing, say, dinner at six versus dinner at 10, meaning dinner at six and breakfast at six versus dinner at 10 and breakfast at 10. I, I haven't seen that. But obviously, eating early and then the second day, um, if you want to eat again within 12 hours to 13 or 14 hours, that would be, um, I think, good practice. Yeah, for sure. I know that a lot of acupuncturists, you know, people that do Chinese medicine talk about certain rhythms and natural cycles and certain organs that are just more active at certain times. And that's why I was asking because, you know, some people feel that your liver, for example, is more active in the evening hours. And so if you're eating late, the liver isn't doing the detoxification as well as it could if there was no food. Yes. Assuming that you're going to eat again earlier the next day, then you'd say, yeah, liver didn't have time. But I haven't seen a direct comparison between, again, there's a lot of indications that eating eating earlier is better, but I haven't seen an article comparing six to six versus say eight to eight versus 10 to 10. Gotcha, but, gotcha. But definitely what there is science on eating and then going to sleep, meaning you don't want to eat. Uh, let me let me clarify the, the literature that says eat early assumes that you're going to stay then two, three, four hours and then sleep. And that's healthy because at least you're allowing uh, digestion, you're allowing certain movements before you just sleep and you'll be in a low calorie burning mode as well. So if if the plan is to eat at 10 and sleep at 10.05, yes, that's not good. And the liver has, you know, all the GI tract is still digesting and the liver has to work and and all of of that, that's for sure. I'm just assuming that if you eat at 10, then you sleep at one, again, that's not following the circadian rhythms, so probably not healthy. But there's no direct from a nutritional standpoint comparison between, say, 12 hours starting six or seven or eight. Perfect. Thank you for that. And we talked a lot about how to time foods and, you know, when to eat versus not to eat. But what about specific foods? Do you feel like there are any foods that are just overall better for longevity? 
Um, yes, you know, there's only one book in the world called The Longevity Diet, and that's uh, the book that I'm trying to refer to. But yes, um, the uh, Professor Longo in the University of Southern California, and again, they have a longevity institute dedicated only to that topic. How can we help people eat to help them live healthy long? The, the, the goal is not to eat to, to live just long. Actually, you know, when we study people, when we ask people, 43% only say they want to live longer. Now, when you ask them healthy long, because they remember their grandma who was suffering in, in, in the last few years of their life, of her life. So if you want to live healthy long, what we call health span, that's the goal of, of our research is how can we keep you the healthy, healthier longer and then hopefully, you know, suffering less and dying, you know, in a shorter period when, when you're at your end. So the book uses five pillars to define what you should eat to, to live a healthier life. And it basically follows the five principles of number one, doing science on mice and then humans. And then number two, looking at epidemiology, so observational going, meeting the centenarians, centenarians, people living 100 and beyond. And Professor Longo went around the world looking for them and talking to them and see what they eat and how they, they behave. Then understanding the biology and, and, and what we call systems biology, the interaction is number three and four, the interaction between systems. because Unfortunately, when you do a little bit of science, not a lot of science, a little bit, sometimes it, it can hurt, it has side effects, meaning a lot of invention, they focus on one organ, say, you know, do, um, do this for the liver, but then what if there's a side effect on the heart? What if there's a side effect on the brain? So you have to study the body from a system sort of from an entirety perspective to make sure that whatever you're suggesting works for the entirety of the organs and it's safe for all of them. So looking at all of this together, uh, the diet that seems to be well correlated with healthy aging is what we call the pescatarian diet. And pescatarian diet is means it's plant-based mostly, and the animal source of protein would be of choice here would be fish. So having you know fish to, or or seafood two three times a week, and as you know, is, is well balanced between the good fat, the omegas in the fish, and the sequence of amino acids in the fish is different than the sequence of amino acids in the meat, and that triggers different biochemical signals in the body. There definitely are a lot of longevity zones that they use some meat, what you can call flexitarian, meaning mainly plant-based, some fish, but also a little bit of meat. And, and this gets you closer to a Mediterranean diet where you know, they typically, the meat is not a big steak on the table or a burger based on the meat, but it's more and it's too and cooked and the meat is used to as a minor ingredient to give the flavor and to still enrich the you know the stew. So these seems to be very well correlated with healthy aging and, and longevity. And it's not magical, you know, going back, our body is the result of tailoring and interaction with nature. Right? We have we're we're not born yesterday. We've been on planet Earth for, you know, thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of years. And nature is cultures us. And the more you rematch your body with nature and the way it evolved to to eat, the more you're going to see an optimization, a better matching, and a healthier aging of the body. So if you think about it, humans live most of the time around rivers because the river had water. When there's water, there's grass When there's and trees. And when the grass and trees, there's food for us. And we needed water to drink. We needed water to shower. We needed water for all the green, uh, you know, the greens around it for us to eat. And um, and fish is the only animal that cannot run or fly and can barely see you through water. So it was easy to fish. And so literally for, for a long time, 
humans ate a lot of plant-based food and sometimes fish. And it was only in the later stages when we, be, we, we were able to hunt animals and or even a later, later stage when we were able to raise, you know, cattle and, and have an optimized supply chain of meat. So we believe, and, and the science we've done, plus a lot of studies on centenarians and people who live beyond the 100 years old, show us that maybe pescatarian diet, plus or minus mid-train, if you want to add some meat to it, could be the diet that rematches our body with, with evolution and with what it's really meant to be and not over send push, over pushes the body into aging with the heavier meat society, which we, we came today, and not starve the body, obviously. So that, that looks like the, a good balanced diet for, from a longevity and aging perspective. Thank you for that. That makes sense. So I'm curious, what do you do personally? How do you eat and what do you do to stay healthy longer? Well, exactly what we talked about. I'm a, I'm a pescatarian uh, slash flexitarian. I do from time to time uh, get a little bit of a uh, little bit of meat, but most of the time uh, definitely plant-based and, um, and, and fish as the main source of, um, of proteins and actually uh, we're so believers in this that we created even a full project that we call Nutrition for Longevity. And it's a project whereby we uh, help people eat plant-based and, and, and pescatarian also as an option. So this is what I do. I, um, I flexitarian slash pescatarian. I do intermittent fasting every day, almost um, uh, the 12 hours for sure. Sometimes I did, I do go longer and, you know, we have, uh, since we hacked fasting at our company, I sometimes use a fast bar um, just to, you know, as, as my own cheat. So fast bar is one of the prolonged ingredients. You can eat it, you keep your body in the fasting mode, but at least it nourishes my body. So sometimes I do get a fast bar. And then uh, two to three times a year, I do my prolonged fasting. This is basically like your car. You take it to the mechanic um, or the dentist for your teeth. You know, a couple of times a year, you, de- you do need a bigger checkup. And when your body is going spoiled or deviating from its, um, you know, optimal health, you know, doing two or three rounds of prolonged fasting, and I do it obviously with the fasting and making diet or prolong, this is what I feel my body gets uh, rejuvenated and, and gets back on track. And do you typically recommend that two to three times a year is how people should do the prolonged fast with the fasting mimicking diet, or is there benefit to doing it more often? If you're healthy, you're mid-age, you're healthy, you don't have like a, you know, a, a specific reason. You don't carry excess weight or you feel you have family history of certain conditions. Then I think two to three times is, is, is enough. Um, if you have a health goal in mind, you want to lose weight fast. You have some health concerns or, or family concerns and you want to be a little bit more aggressive. And in fact, you can do it three times in a row, meaning three months. It's only five days a month. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you order your box, you do your five days. You can do it three months in a row. And we have a lot of data on this and a lot of publications and once you do it three times it's just a faster faster um, you know weight loss faster metabolic balance and faster rejuvenation and there's a lot of positive externalities you see changes in the skin and more glowing skin you feel empowered because you're gaining and you change your relationship with food and you start thinking differently about food your behavior your energy your sleep etc so that's a more faster correction if you want. And then after that, you can do it once every quarter or or you can go back to your two to three times a year. Mm-hmm. So it depends if you have a goal in mind that you want to reach faster, you do it three times in a row over three months. Otherwise, if you're healthy and, and all checked up, and I used to do it 
uh, more uh, you know frequently now. I do it three, sometimes four times for sure. Mm-hmm. Great. That's so good to know. And in addition to doing fasting and eating the pescatarian diet, do you take any supplements? Um, I personally, you know, unfortunately, the supplements and nutrition have didn't didn't uh, not a lot of company put a lot of money into the science and and showing people what really they should do. And there's a lot of stories and directions. And if you interview ten people, they give you ten answers. We try to do it differently. We put a lot of science behind it. So I do, but I don't take it every day. Um, I don't think that if you do one thing, the same thing every day is is going to be all positive. I don't think, uh, given my health and and my age and 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 how I eat and all of that, that I do lack um, one thing. And when I test, I don't I don't have a major lack of any one of the nutrients, so or the or the or the micro. I I do take it's it's every other day, and uh, sometimes I do take a break. Uh, I have my own philosophy is. Uh, is things should be in a normal balance, and, and balance makes uh, uh, you know optimize the system. So uh, the answer is yes, um, but not every day. Got it. Great. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. And you know, I think it's so important. Like you said, you test yourself, right? So you know what you're deficient in and what you're not. And obviously, you know, doing the fasting and having your cells restructure and eating a diet that is so clean and healthy, you know, that creates because of that, naturally less deficiencies. And then, you know, when there's less toxins, there's less stress on the liver to have to do all that detoxification. So for everyone listening, it is so important to be able to know what's going on in your body because we are all so different, you know, so just because your friend may be taking this vitamin doesn't mean you may need to, but it's testing and, you know, not just blood, but looking at, you know, micronutrient testing and looking at things through urine and hair and saliva. I mean, we have so many wonderful ways that we can see how the body's functioning you know, and then we can really customize and tailor it. I fully agree. Um, you know, if I was a, a 65-year-old female with osteoporosis, I would definitely take my uh, my vitamin D, and, and especially if I'm, you know, Middle Eastern origins and I lack that. And for sure, for some people, it should be a daily thing. And for some people have genetic deficiencies. Some people have malabsorption issues. Uh, definitely, there's some tailoring, customization, and optimization for different people. But I'd rather do what you said, which is what I what I do, which is eat healthy, not be deficient so that you don't supplement. But today, the problem, we're fed food that is not nutritious. It's just uh, it's cheap food for the seller and creates a bigger margin for the for-profit business. And nobody cares whether we're being nourished or not. They care about whether we're fed or not at a profit. And um, and then we lack things, and then we go and we take supplements. Yeah. Uh, same story with gluten, right? Most of the gluten around the most of the bread around the world has been genetically modified to contain high gluten. It's creating a lot of uh, you know sensitization now. Yeah. And therefore, every every new thing sold in the market has to be gluten free. But actually, the, it should have corrected. Gluten is not all bad. And has been with us, you know, hum- humans lived on eating corn and bread for thousands of years. And only a small, tiny fraction had sensitive- sensitivity to gluten. But now we're oversensitized. We're over, you know, the bread contains such, and the pizzas and all of, all of the dough that we eat contains so much gluten that we're sensitized to it. And now we have to go back and correct by eating gluten-free a few other things. And that's a little bit aberrant in my point of view. We should just go back to the old grain of bread and wheat, which was uh, very low in gluten and live a normal life after that. 
<laughs> right, right. If we could find it, right? Yeah. Um, not so available. And then, of course, you know, we don't have to get into it. But I think a lot of people realize the issue with glyphosate and all of that, and that effect that it has on all of the grains that we eat. So, but this is why we uh, this is why we did it. We did nutrition for longevity. We have grains and wheat, uh, you know, thousands of years old, and uh, and no glyphosate exposure. And we we do it ourselves and. We source it from pockets in the world where the grain is still um, is still virgin and, and hasn't been touched by, we don't want to mention companies or things, but hasn't been modified nor sprayed. And we were deep believers in, in eating clean again. And humanity should really go back and rethink all this. Businesses have intervened to change our food in a very bad way. Uh, we just, the solution is not to re-engineer now a, a new, new food, as much as to go back to the natural food. Absolutely. I can't agree with you more. Well, Dr. Anton, this has been so interesting and so enlightening. I think that, you know, as much as people know about fasting, I don't think that a lot of people really truly understand the differences. And, you know, I think the fasting mimicking diet is very fascinating, which again, I think people may know about it, but not everyone. So I just think it's such great information. Um, and so again, for everyone who wants to connect with you or find out more about you, can you give the websites again? The company website is Nutra, L-Nutra, which is longevity through nutrition, basically. That's the, that's the core theme, Nutra.com. Again, L-Nutra.com. And um, you can find my profile there and, and be in touch directly with me. The Fasting Mimicking Diet product is called Prolon, P-R-O-L-O-N. Um, all over the media and the news and, and multiple sites. So you can easily Google it and find it. And I'm more than happy personally to, uh, if anyone has any question, reach out to me on my on my company or through the company access. And I, I actually do a great job going back to people who are passionate about this field. That's great. That's very generous of you. Thank you. And um, I will post all of these links in the show notes as always. Dr. Anton, thank you so, so much for all this information. I really, really enjoyed this conversation and thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. Thanks. To get Mindy on the right track, we first started working on her diet. We added in more veggies and antioxidant rich foods and reduced her processed foods and overall meat intake. We also changed the more processed than bad fats in her diet to the omega-rich natural good fats, and we started intermittent fasting for the first four weeks to ease her into everything and get her ready for the fasting mimicking diet. These changes alone made a huge difference. She lost nine pounds in the first month and her energy really improved. Her aches felt better as well. We then did some micronutrient and organic acid testing and saw that she was quite deficient in many vitamins and minerals and had way too many free radicals. And for those of you that don't know, free radicals are the things that damage our cells. And because of that, she didn't have enough antioxidants and antioxidants are things that protect our cells. This wasn't surprising with the poor diet choices that she had before. We worked on fixing those deficiencies and used specific vitamins that her body needed while also supporting her antioxidant status with glutathione, vitamin C, and a special anato form of vitamin E. Now, this form is much, much more potent than just any regular vitamin E on the market. I'll post a link in the show notes if you guys want to take a look. And you can always find those, by the way, at healthmysterysouth.com. And these are going to be under episode 65. And of course, as always in the show notes, you will also see all of Dr. Anton's contact information and a very detailed summary of the whole interview and the case for your reference. 
Now, at this point, Mindy was feeling a ton better, but wanted to keep on going. And so about eight weeks after we started, she was ready to do the Prolon five-day fasting mimicking diet. As Dr. Anton was describing, it's a five-day plan where you're actually eating food, but your body thinks that you're fasting and you get all of those cellular restructuring benefits of fasting without the starvation and also without losing the essential nutrients and protein for the five days that you do it. It is a low-calorie plan, so you're not eating a ton, but it's enough. What's really neat about it is that the kit comes with everything that you need, so you don't even have to think about it. It has all the food for each day, so no food shopping necessary. She loved how the plan took all the thought out of it, and all of the ingredients are in the exact ratios needed to establish the mimicking of a fast. The first two days were pretty easy. The third day was a bit tougher, and she felt a bit hungry on that day. And a lot of my clients who do this actually say that the third day is the hardest. But then she really started to feel the benefits by day four. While her wrinkles didn't disappear, they felt less deep and her skin was glowing. She also felt super clear-headed and she was down five more pounds when she was done. She felt so much better overall. She's going to do the five-day plan again in about a month and then repeat it every few months to continue getting those cellular restructuring benefits because the more you do it, the more the benefits come. And by the way, if you are interested in trying the plan, I have all of the information on my practice website, completenutritionandwellness.com. And the link, of course, is going to be in the show notes. And the plan is also on sale this week as this episode airs. If Mindy sounds like someone you know, please share this episode with them and make sure you subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. And because the next topic or mystery I discuss could be one that you or someone you love is dealing with right now. As always, when it comes to your health issues, please, please don't give up. The answers are out there and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for joining me today and see you next week on Health Mystery Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.